plenty to get into on today's program. Leafs take on the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo on tech, and Sammy McKee along for the ride. Uh, they say you never trade on a losing streak. You never make, you never look for solutions because teams take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. So what does Kyle Dubas do today? It's trading time. When they're winning <laughs> and things are going well. Fill in the net. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's an American Hockey League trade. <laughs> People waiting for the big news. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not, not really a big story. Curtis Gabriel traded to Chicago for defenseman Chad Chris. Go with it. That's Go doing. with it with confidence. It's Chad. Chris. It's spelled K-R-Y-S. Chris won. Which looks like cries. Yeah, it might be cries. That's no. a bad name. That's a bad pronunciation for a hockey player. Two cries? First, two first names. Yeah, you can't. This guy cries it's, about it's, it. It's Chris. We know it's Chris because, Chad you know, Tom Hanks said there's no there's no cries in baseball and there's no cries in the NHL. There it is then. Chris it is. So Chris it is. Now, I am kind of surprised at some point, JB, that Gabriel didn't get a sniff. I gotta believe Kyle Clifford made it, Clifford made him redundant. You know, like this is a guy that you know Clifford's. Is he going to be with the Leafs all year? But what happened here? Because we saw a change Good of the guard. Camp. We saw we saw the changing of the guard from skill, 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 skill. I don't care. We'll take the five foot nine little water bugs. We just want skill to. No, we need more grit. Mm-hmm. And. That has happened, and certainly a, a healthier Wayne Simmons has certainly been a big part of that equation. But for Curtis Gabriel, who you just mentioned met out a, a decent camp, to not get one sniff, not, mm-hmm. not one call-up call when uh, Orion Reeves is in town really seemed, again, kind of strange to me that you went out of your way to get a guy of this magnitude in terms of toughness and reputation around the league and say, no, you can't step foot on the NHL ice with us. Yeah, again, I think the Clifford thing made a difference. But do you think there's something to the idea that the organization seems to be trying to do right by some people? And I know that maybe not competitively. It doesn't seem that that's advantageous competitively right away. But, like, Gabriel was blocked here. He had no, he wasn't going to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had too many guys, too much talent, and too many guys who will do what he do now that now that Clifford's in the fold. He's going to play for the Blackhawks, I think. I'm looking at their roster. I think I think they see a path for him to play for their NHL team. I wonder if part of this is like, you know, I wonder if Gabriel's like, look, I don't want to complain, but like if, if I don't have a shot here, can you get me somewhere I got a shot? Is that possible? Well, a thousand percent that uh, you, at that point of his career, you're not going there to fill out their minor league roster. Yeah. I He must have been incredibly disappointed to not get one call up. Now they're going through certain stages of injuries and you're still not even close being in the mix. So I, I would imagine he or his agent were screaming, move us if you can. And uh, Leafs Nation will love to know that uh, Chris is 5'11", 185. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a U.S. national team guy, a college guy, went to BU. I was yeah. trying to find a scouting report on him. Barely but. played the last two years. He had six games in 2021 with the pandemic being the American League, eight games this year. Like, he's not played much. So, I don't know. Maybe it's like a lottery ticket. Maybe. Mm. You know. Then it's highly unlikely that he'll see. Well, so is the lottery. Anytime. <laughs> but they're. 2016 second rounder, 45th overall to the Blackhawks. So, you know, second I mean, round pick. 23 picks. years old. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. But I don't know. What were the odds of. Uh, Christian's Rubens. Rubens Cube there. What's his? Rubens Cube. I hope he's. I hope he doesn't end up being this puzzle. <laughs> Rubens Cube. Well, he has a nickname um, if he didn't before. I, I would agree that I'm slightly disappointed that Curtis Gabriel never. Well, we all just wanted to see him punch someone. Yeah, else. like, you know, Clifford and uh, Richie and Simmons are all guys that are, you know, that can play. This guy is just specifically in the lineup to do the... the Correct. Thank you. He is a year 2000 enforcer. 
face puncher, and I, you know, played for the Owen Sound attack. Good guy. Would have liked to see oh, him. Played for Owen Sound. I'm he surprised did. he didn't bring uh, him up more. Yeah, I know. So there you go. Well, and no, no Marner anytime soon, but they are getting a little healthier. Sheldon Keefe spoke of the uh, updates on Mrazic and uh, uh, Mikheyev. Let's have a listen. Uh, it seems close. Uh, Mrazic, the challenge has been we haven't really practiced. Um, so workload is, was the biggest thing we're trying to work up just to be certain that he's ready to play an NHL game. And, you know, we've had, we haven't practiced since he's been back here. We had two morning skates. Today, just, I don't know if you guys were in the building here yet, but he had a full session before the morning skate even began. Um, he had a full session out there with, uh, you know, some of our shooters and, and goalie coaches. Uh, so trying to work him, work him up to that. Um, just to make sure he's getting the proper workload and we'll have a practice tomorrow. So I hope with that, Mikheyev is looking better and better. Uh, Mikheyev has an appointment today that I think is going to... I'm sorry? Yeah, okay. So I think if there's an appointment today that I think will help set the course about what the, the next step is for him. So nice of uh, the media to uh, <laughs> offer Sheldon a calendar. Sheldon, yeah, yeah, okay, great. I hey, uh, uh, yeah, right. thanks. I didn't know tips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been two months, Sheldon, for McKayev out of line. Oh, thanks. Is that the 10th anniversary? It, what am I supposed to get it, him It really that? just felt like it was last weekend, but thanks for letting me know. I will say that to him kind of reminding, there's so much that goes on in a hockey season. And he's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a two-year appointment, two-month appointment. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well. And it, it, hopefully it doesn't get canceled. Or you know how hard it is to get appointments. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, around the, the Christmas COVID holidays, era, it's yeah. be a long time. Um, so Marasa coming back and Mikheyev coming in. Uh, any thoughts on either one? Move the needle for you. Well, we're going to see the same lineup tonight, are we not? Yes, is the one against exact same lineup. Clum- yeah. Columbus and Mikheyev is is the big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrazic, of course, and how you would try to fit him in and start getting his stock going is equally as important. But, you know, with Marner still out, what could be another couple of weeks, uh, Mikheyev is still one of those guys where he needs the regular season to put himself in a position where you could be comfortably comfortable and slotting him in a top six. Well, th- there's also a lot to this. Remember, going into this year, he made a bunch of noise about, well, you know, there was a trade re- request apparently mm-hmm. in the offseason, and they were like, no, no, no. You want to be in the top six? We'll, we'll keep you happy. So, you know, he, the trade deadline is whenever it is. I imagine February at some point around then or early March. Um, looking at the, the Leafs' top six skipper, is he going to take Bunting or Kerfoot's spot? Like he's got, he's got a couple of months here to, you know, they have to keep him happy. He has to show he can play there, but like he's got to get some looks there. I think the timing is right for him in terms of Marner's injury here, right? Because mm-hmm. if he gets in in the next week or two, and Marner's out, maybe they can give him a few looks in the top six. See how he works. I don't, I don't think you're going to play, play right side or something. Like, are you going to? I thought Simmons looked pretty good on uh against i guess it's columbus it's all with a big columbus asterisk but i thought he looked pretty good up there are you gonna give him a shot with bunting and matthews like i don't know it just seems wow. like i saw some video of him not being able to shoot in the net from a foot out i i, I don't know <laughs> we, chaos, yeah. we, we give we give bunting a lot of credit here because it just seems now he might be going to at least another level when it comes to producing mm-hmm. which is fantastic and you know what's interesting too is you continue to watch uh you know, and we all go through our, our media. But there's so many out there that are now to the point where they're talking, we've got Bunting who's now better than or as good as Hyman yeah, at I a know. fraction McKee's of the cost. Things. Is, is that you, Sammy? <laughs> yeah. Sammy, is that you that started all this crap? Uh, it wasn't yeah. me that started it, but, but I'm enjoying it. Like, And I give Bunting full credit, and I... I like the way he plays and I like the way he reads the play and there's upside offensively. No question about that, but I don't see them as the same players. No, the little, the, the little engine that could is a book. It's a story. You, you'll take the big heavy train when you get the chance there so, every time. But 
McCave to me has a better chance to be that heavier engine yeah, yeah. than Bunting when it comes to March, April, and May. You're talking first round of playoffs. You'd rather see Mikheyev going in on the forecheck after the puck. Oh, and Sammy's going, I don't know. Here's the thing. Mikheyev can't make I'm any not, plays. I'm not, a, I'm not a Mikheyev guy, fellas. I, everyone loved him. There was a big love affair with him because of the, the, the soup commercials, and he seems like a happy-go-lucky guy, and, you know, he skates fast, but I wish, he doesn't do anything other than I really wish no, you could true. take bunting and stick him in McKayev's body. Oh, oh then be making, that be the dream? Well, then he's making for, $8 million a year. <laughs> then he is Zach Hyman. Yeah. At that point. No, but, it's... But, so you you got to, like, pick your poison a little bit, but you got to give McKayev an opportunity to build up that. So uh, although, you know, it's not perfect on, on both sides, bunting McKayev, you've got to now mix it up to the point where there's not, there's not going to be really anybody locked in here. It's opponent-dependent to me, come playoffs. Who you got in the first round? Do they have a big decor? Do you have to go in there? But who's hot? Who's, where's, yeah. where's the chemistry at that point along with a Matthews or a, a, a Marner at that time or whoever you have on that right side? Mm-hmm. And, but you have to have everybody during the regular season to have had ample time to have had... A, Dress rehearsals, yeah, for that moment. Sure, and that's that what we're coming. Yeah, that's what we're coming up on right now. Is can you get a ten game run, get feeling good, and see so, how these guys fit together? So, just on the goaltending thing, do you think it's too early Saturday night for Mrazek? You think they'll 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 hold him off a little longer, give somebody else a start there? It just seems like a perfect <sighs> night against Chicago on a Saturday night. You know, little lesser team. You know, it never seems to home. work to me. This thing in sports where they build people up in such a slow, long manner, and they're like, yeah, you know, now he's out there getting shots from the the coaches, and then the, you know, he's got like this two-week run of practice. Now he's in the American League. Is he ready for NHL? Like, if he can go in the American League, he can go in the NHL. Agree. You know, it's like, you ever seen golfers that like, ah, he's hurt, so he's just hit nine irons, and next week he's going to hit six irons. Like, is that different? I don't know, I guess. Yeah. but well, I, I agree here, and I think it's, you know, they need to get this guy going at some. They got to test right. it at some point, right? Like, when's the last time he played? It's been close to the, the timeline now. The last game I guess he played was that five four loss to uh, win against Detroit during the the turnaround there. But it's it's time he's, to get him in some games. And he's got to be like, there's got to be a, a mental block right now where you're like, I need this tested in a regular season game. Yeah, I got to go post to post here. I got uh, I got to prove to myself that this is behind me. And I don't have to worry about this any longer. Well, that won't happen until he plays. You know the last time he played? The date? Uh, October. October 16th. October 30th. He's oh, played, he gosh. played one period against the Sens. And, so he's played five periods so far this year. And, you know, if you put him in too early and his groin gets torn to shreds, well, he's IR and you find someone else. Yeah. He's off the salary cap. It's time. It's, <laughs> it's time to get him in here. It's a cruel version so, of it. But no, but yeah. it's true. Like, uh, uh, we don't need to go keep going around in circles, but eventually here, you got to figure out what you got, and it's been a long enough time here that it's time to get him in some games. We're going to get uh, Luke Fox, covers uh, the Leafs in the NHL for Sportsnet uh, on momentarily. He took in the morning practice. Uh, Katie uh, Strang, also from the senior writer, The Athletic, she's going to talk to us a little bit about what's going on with the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. She said an article on them getting locked out of the rink if they didn't pay their bills. Yeah. What a what an organization. Does that happen to you every once in a while where you just go tr- try to put something on the visa and it's like, uh, no. Yeah, I work in media. It's it happens embar- all the time. It really is embarrassing. <laughs> Did you ever try to pay your taxes with your visa? <laughs> you want the honest answer? Yes, I have tried that. Not allowed. This is like the ultimate embarrassment. You think they paid with a visa? So visa. We'll, we'll get Katie to... Uh, Touch on that. Also, Jimmy Rutherford. Yeah. I got my thoughts. You got your thoughts. Yeah, I'm mo- more excited for your thoughts than my thoughts, though. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We'll get into it. I thought we might. Frank Saravelli, Hockey Insider. You think this is a five-hour show? We have so many guests. Anyone else? Uh, and he's at the Board of Governors. Oh, perfect. Which, listen, I love. I've covered. A lot of the Board of Governors. Seems like a tremendous waste of time. No, no, no. This is the ultimate hockey media scam. <laughs> That's 
Kind of it is. I, did I just blow it? Oh, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> and you, you, as long as you get invited down there, as long as you go down there, yeah. you only have one job, and that is to make it sound way more important than it actually is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I need to go so, to Fort Lauderdale in December. Wherever, you know, the Dragers of the World on TSN or Elliot on Sportsnet, just really listen to a whole lot of nothing, but it yeah. sounds so important. Live at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and everybody just sits around and, yeah. and 82 degrees. Well, but, you know, it is, fa- it is fantastic. All right, we got Luke Fox. Yes. Luke, what's going on? Well, I'm, I'm not going to Florida. The next place I'm going is Edmonton, and I heard it was minus 16. So <laughs> I, I'm pretty jealous of those guys. Just play your cards right. Make them <laughs> make them uh, feel like uh, you have to be there, and I'm sure you'll get there. <laughs> All right, thanks. So what did, what, what did you see in practice today? Uh, you know, McKayev out there. Uh, Mrazic, any updates at all from your end? Yeah, so I, I got in a little bit early, and Travis Dermott was out there in red sweater by himself at one end. Um, so he's probably the closest leaf to returning. And at the other end was uh, suspended Jason Spezza uh, working with Mrazic. And then they went off, and then both Spezza and Mrazic came back out uh, for the full team skate. Um, so yeah, I, I would like to think Mrazic's getting close to a return. They were actually supposed to practice originally yesterday and they skipped it just because Keith felt the, the group was so tired from the heavy schedule and all the travel they'd been doing lately. Um, so he wants to get Mrazic in a full practice, which will be tomorrow before he considers putting him in a game. Um, but he did play that game with the Marlies on Sunday and he lost. Um, but it sounds like he's ramping back up as well as McKayev. So it sounds like if he, I mean, to play an American League game, it's not like it's the, uh, you know, junior hockey or lower, like that's hockey. Uh, So it sounds like he could probably play as soon as this weekend. Is that too soon? Uh, I I think it's a possibility that he could play against Chicago. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't imagine that he would play against Edmonton. You'd like to think that they go with Jack Campbell, their number one guy, uh, when you're going up against the arguably the, the two best offensive players in the whole world. Um, but, yeah, so maybe maybe uh, Chicago's not out of the realm of possibility. If not, I would expect at some point during the Western road trip. And is there, is there a sense that he is, is Mrazek talked at all, uh, you know, in the last little while? Is there any sense on on uh, his sense of urgency to get back in there? You get any sense of that at all? Yeah, he's spoken once since he started practicing again with the team. And, yeah, he's a competitive guy. He doesn't want to be sitting. Um, and, you know, he, he actually said he felt fine after the game he got hurt. It wasn't until the next morning that it was acting up on him and, and it bothered him. Um, you know, definitely a sense of frustration, but he's a competitor, right? And they have him for this year and two more, like – at some point, you're watching a guy walk away with what could have been your dro- job. You're the one with the, the job security. You're the one with the contract and, and the uh, heavier dollars. This was supposed to be a tandem, and you're supposed to be battling Jack for that position, right? And you're watching him uh, run away with it. So I'm sure you know that he wants to get back in as soon as possible. Luke, the fill-in guys they got right now, like Steves, uh, Rubens, Biega, there's always a different type of fill-in guy. Like sometimes you have the players that are, you know, on their way up and the team wants to get a serious look at. And then there's the guys who just need to fill a spot for a little bit. What are your sense on the guys they have up here? And I'll include uh, Joey Anderson in that group too. Are, Are any of these guys players that could play for the Leafs in a more significant role down the road? Maybe down the road, uh, especially I would say with Steve's down the road. But this this is just getting a guy to fill in, see if he can play for, you know, a short time while, you know, you get your your bodies on the mend. Um, I don't think there's any danger of, of, you know, these guys stealing a job right now. But it does give the organization a good look at the, the depth and see what they have down there. And Keith was talking this morning and saying, you know what, it's, it's given us a lot of confidence in our Marley's program, the fact that Steve's a guy who not only wasn't drafted, but didn't even attend training camp because he had a shoulder injury in September. He's played a dozen games as a pro, period. 
Um, now he's averaged a point a game for the Marlies, but the fact that he can come up and he rewatched all the shifts and said, you know, this guy looked like he can hang in the NHL. So that's a positive sign. Now, mind you, you know, he's fourth line, uh, pretty sheltered minutes against a mediocre Columbus team. We'll see how he looks against the lightning. Like this is a whole other test for Steve's and Rubens. Um, but it's a positive sign. What else? The other thing he mentioned is it's a good sign of our scouts. You know, both Rubens and Steve's were undrafted and the fact they were able to pick these guys out of nowhere, bring them up through the system, and all of a sudden they can fill in for a little while as need be. We're talking to Luke Fox, who covers the Leafs for Sportsnet. Uh, Luke, any any feeling down there? Uh, I know the news came out about uh, Curtis Gabriel being traded to Chicago for defenseman Chad Chris. Um, is is there any talk at all that this guy is somewhere in their plans? They want to take a good look at. They'll let him season for the rest of the year. Where, where do you see this thing? Uh, yeah, he's another left shot. I, I, I find him quite a bit uh, far down the depth chart. I think he's a Marley's player. He's never played in the NHL. Um, but it's one of those things, right? You get a guy in your system and maybe he can impress. There's always guys that, that take big steps. Um, but th- to me, this, this is more of a do right by Curtis Gabriel move. Um, you know, before he landed with the Leafs, he was, he was in the NHL punching guys out. Um, and the fact that, you know, they brought in Kyle Clifford, the fact that they keep calling up forwards and they've lost forwards like Amadio and Brooks and Semyonov and Gabriel still couldn't get a sniff. Um, that to me says that Curtis Gabriel probably figured, hey, like, where where am I in your plans? Am I just a Marley? Because if I'm a Marley, you know, uh, you wouldn't wa- you wouldn't blame the guy for wanting to get a chance elsewhere. So that's what it 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 strikes to me as as doing right by Curtis Gabriel, who you know I think he has a really good relationship with Kyle Dubas, and you know you take a flyer on this on this Chris guy and, and see what happens. But he's a left shot. He's not a big body. He is the stay at home type of guy. Um, I did look up, and I want to ask Austin Matthews um, next time we talk to him because he was on the same U.S. development team with Matthews um, back in, I think, 14-15. So maybe there's a little bit of a relationship there. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure he would have that experience. Um, You know, looking at this team and the the trade they just made, I was starting to think about other trades and the deadline looming. You know, it's not soon, but this is sort of the time where teams start to make their decisions. Do you think this team is going to be adding something? And if so, what uh, what, what could be coming the Leafs' way in the next coming months? Well, I don't think they're completely set on their top six left wings. I mean, Michael Bunting is is on a heater right now. And that play he made uh, against Columbus, you know, where he, he hustles down the wall, makes sure he has the puck, drives the net and goes backhand between the legs to Austin Matthews. I mean, that's the type of play. If he can, if he can keep up anything like that, I think he can solidify a spot. But, you know, in a perfect world, maybe they have someone with more offensive flair than, than Alex Kerfoot, um, who's been actually a really nice surprise in, in his consistency and the ability he's able to fill in next to uh, Tavares and, and Nylander. But I think in a perfect world, you have enough depth that Kerfoot maybe is, is on the third line if, when you're fully healthy. Um, so maybe they, they're looking for a top six left wing, kind of similar to what they were looking for last year. And the other thing I think they need is maybe another pure right shot. Uh, I mean, it, it, you got Justin Hall, and that's about it. And maybe a guy with a little bit of toughness on the back end. Like, they w- walked uh, Bogosian out the door, and I actually just crossed paths with Bogosian a couple hours ago. Uh, he's in town with Tampa. Um, and uh, they never really replaced a guy of that ilk, you know, a guy who can clear guys out in front of the net, kill penalties, and just get the puck out when it's, uh, you know, one uh, – one goal lead in the final minutes of a playoff game or something like that. And Bogosian was a guy that could fill in probably four to six on your depth chart. But the question is, do the Leafs go bigger than that? Do they legitimately go out there and try to find a top four guy with that right shot that you're talking of? And if it is, Luke, I know it's still early here, but, um, you know, after Christmas, man, that trade deadline starts sneaking up on you. The, well, the, the sense, the sense whether the Leafs could give up another first rounder or have to give up uh, a, a top prospect like Nick Robertson. Yeah, I mean, it was on the table last year. Why wouldn't it be on the table again? I mean, if if anything, there's there's probably more desperation. 
the one thing I don't know is like does Kyle feel a little bit snake bit in in the Felino trade just for the amount of assets he gave up to bring him in and then you know he's not even healthy and it ends up being a bit of a disaster in retrospect but in the moment he was had that all-in mindset and you got to think you only get so many cracks uh before the uncertainty of austin matthew's future kicks in so i think he's going to be in go for it mode again to the top of my list when you're talking about guys like that kipper is ben sherratt i mean that could be an awkward trade to pull off because of the mm-hmm. the rivalry with Montreal and the John Tavares incident. Like, that's a, a delicate thing. But if you're looking at a profile of a defenseman that would help this team in playoff time and a guy who's definitely going to be on the block, that guy seems to be on top of the list. Listen, if, if I watch David Savard last year go to Tampa Bay and it cost you a first, and when it was all said and done, David Savard was not in their top four then what is Ben Sherratt going to cost the Leafs? And the other team I heard is the Boston Bruins. They really want him badly. But that that's that's a first rounder all day long, two, three weeks out of the trade so deadline. So what's Mark Giordano then, Kipper? What's, what's Gio cost? Because he's, he's a Are you sure Seattle's going to give him up by, uh, by trade deadline? I mean, I think they are. Are they not? I would think if Gio's playing 20 minutes a night, that's a first rounder all day long too. For sure. But that yeah. that to me is is where the Leafs need to go to try to win. Like and you make an excellent point that you know you got burned. Nick Foligno, you got burned bad. I don't I'm not sure you did your homework on that one, but that shouldn't stop you from saying we are now in go big or go home mode with this team. Like he he's got to go he's got he's got to take his the bat off his shoulder one more time. And if it's the first rounder or a top prospect, you have to do it to win now. Well, and they say the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And what has Kyle Dubas done at every trade deadline? He's gone. He's gone buying, right? He brought in Jake Muzzin. He brought in Jack Campbell. Uh, he, he brought in Nick Foligno. Like, uh, you know, they haven't all worked out, uh, but he's always swung. Right. So I, I, I would expect uh, nothing less. I also feel like he, you know, he's a guy who believes in all the analytics stuff, right? And Daryl Morey had that. What if your team has a five percent chance to win the title, you should go all in. I believe was sort of the the way they leaned on things. So yeah, it's interesting to look at this team. And you know, if you don't win, you're the guy who burned it all down and you got nothing left, to, you know, behind you. But I guess you better go out guns a blazing, right? Well, you're already pot committed, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's Good point. Every time he speaks, he says, you know, I believe in this group. Uh, in the summer, he said he thinks this is the best version of the team he's ever had. Like, he, you don't have to say that. Um, but he, he he seems to really believe it, and he consistently doubles down. Um, many people were uncertain about the future of Morgan Riley. He re-signed him. He believes in this core. Uh, they're right in the mix um, for the uh, divisional crown right now. Uh, if they keep playing like this, if you go out and buy, it also kind of – gives the group uh, another nod of confidence, another push, another, hey, we believe in you, we're adding, we're not su- subtracting, we're not sitting on our hands. The last time we saw a marquee game, uh, it was when Colorado came in and the Leafs absolutely smoked them coming off of that uh, Western uh, California trip. This one against Tampa Bay comes off a game that you got two points, but According to Sheldon, there was nothing else he liked about the hockey game. Is there a different feel because of the the finish on Columbus, or was that, in your mind, Luke, just a throwaway game? Yeah, throwaway game. Um, You know, those were two hard-fought emotional games back-to-back in in Mini and and Winnipeg. Uh, and, and And, you know, they brought in a bunch of guys. They never really practiced those lines before. A uh, couple guys making their NHL debut. Uh, tired, tired group. I think it was a throwaway game. You're glad you get the two points, but you're not really happy with uh, how it looked optically. This one's a doozy tonight. Um, you know, not only are the, are the Leafs without a few bodies, but so is Tampa Bay. You know, they don't have Braden Point. I watched Kucherov, you know, stay after 
morning skate and, and work out, but he's not where anywhere close to being ready yet. Um, and then Anthony Sorelli is a game-time decision because he aggravated something in Montreal. So both of these are powerful teams without some of their most powerful guys. And you got two guys in net that are could potentially be uh, a Team USA versus Team Russia starting matchup. You got Vasilevsky and Jack Campbell, who are you know two of the better goalies in the league this season. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun one. Like both these sides get up for it. They both know each other very well, um, and I think it's going to be a good matchup. Well, for sure. And, and one of the things that stands out to me is like it's it's going to be a good special teams matchup. There's they're both really good on both sides of the puck. And saying that about the Leafs this year is weird because last year they were so bad in, in the, that department. They got the fourth best power play in the league. Um, and, and their PK is better, um, you know, maybe not awesome league-wide, but it's better. What, what do you see in the power play that seems to be more effective for them this season? It's still more or less the same personnel and more or less the same spots. Am I, am I wrong there? No, you're, you're right. I, I think, I think they, they're moving a little bit more. I think they were like a little bit kind of just their, their feet were kind of planted in place a little too much. And, and I think the biggest thing is just mental. Um, you know, the fact that they, they got off, they got on a roll here. Um, they're score, they're averaging almost a goal per game over the last 13 or so, the power play. Um, and I think it just builds confidence. So when you hop over the boards and it's five on four and you got the, the ozone face off, you're already thinking like, there's a good chance we can score. We know what to do. And I think there's a bit of a snowball effect. And I also think they've mixed around the, the shooters. I think there was a tendency last year to only put it on Matthews tape, whereas I think Willie's taking a few more shots. I mean, we saw that last game where Matthews was the passer and Nylander finished it off. Um, I think John Tavares is playing some inspired hockey in front of the net, um, whether it's digging for for uh, rebounds or providing screens or, or hustling uh, to get some puck retrievals and keep it going. Um, so I, I think a lot of it has to do with the mental side and it, they got like a, a snowball effect in the positive way and that they're, they, they feel like they're going to score uh, more times than not. Hey, Luke, is, is there any talk at, at the rink about Jason Spezza's appeal? <laughs> I went on air. I went on air yesterday and I said, there's there's just no time to to save any games or have anybody make a a different ruling. We know it has to go through Gary Bettman first, so he's gonna he's gonna hear it again. He might not rule on it till next what Monday possibly. And now you're closing in on the second week, and that's before it even goes to an independent arbitrator. What is he? What is he trying to accomplish with an appeal? Because you will not get to it before his six games are up. Yeah, I'm with you. The, the timing of it and the history when you look at back at appeals, Gary doesn't overturn them, uh, and the independent arbitrator might, but they, they're going to sit on their hands for a while. You, you were talking Monday for Bettman to make a ruling. That's game four. Uh, you know, like. I don't see it. The, w- the way I see why he's doing it maybe is to make a point. Um, it's certainly not to save money. Um, so I, I think it's kind of just to clear his name and kind of reinforce that he doesn't agree with the league's decision. I know the Leafs are pretty ticked off about it. I talked to a couple people around the league, and, and they think it was a, a little bit steep. I haven't heard too many people say it was it was the right call. I mean, certainly he deserved a suspension, but the length of it seems uh, a little excessive given both the the fact that it's three times as many games as Pionk got for his hit on Sandine and the fact that, you know, you're talking about a guy with uh, 1,200 games, 19 years with a perfectly clean record. So I, I wonder, we haven't had a chance to talk to Jason about it yet, but I wonder if part of it for Spezza is trying to just clear his name and just kind of reinforce, hey, I don't, I'm not deserving of something this serious and I'm making a point by disputing it. Luke, appreciate your time, man. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, Nick, Justin, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Luke. Luke Fox covers the Leafs and the NHL for Sportsnet. It's awesome. Does he really need to make a point? Like, you're Jason Spezza. You've played 1,300 games. No one ever saw you as a dirty player. You'll always be that kind of fun. Uh, how in your right mind are you the... opposed to Spezza uh, appealing this? Why would he? What's wrong with appealing this? For what? Well, I mean, he doesn't think he deserves six games. But he will get six games. They'll but be they'll be done. If You'll never get them back. 
if why is there an appeals process then? Like if I'm Spezza, I at least expose the league and say, if they don't have an appeals process that allows me to appeal the games, what are we doing? Like at least embarrass them in the process. I mean, try maybe, to maybe appeal. That's it then. Maybe that's it. You got to make an effort. But it's just, it's a waste of money, resources, time. If I'm Spezza, then I'm, I'm like, I'm, lawyers, waste, I'm wasting all of your time. You're all coming with there's me. There's lawyers involved. It's like... It, Four games, five games, six games gone, and then he's going to rule on it. And it's going to be like, oh, sorry, I can't get you your game back, but here's your uh, $12.80. (laughs) So Bettman can't sit down with him today and have a a once-over about this? Have you seen Bettman in these? He's not racing for anybody. You think now he's going to race because it's a Toronto Maple Leaf? So he's going to take his sweet-ass time as much as he has in the past. No more, no less. And they're going to... And then by next Tuesday, they'll say, um, we agree with the Department of Safety and uh, let's now go pick an arbitrator. We'll wait a few more days for that. We're going to do an independent review to choose a counsel. Like these, and then, and then the, the arbitrator, like you ever read the, the conclusions from arbitrators? They're like 50 pages. Guy, it's not like the guy's just hunting, typing just, on a typewriter. It's, it's not an arbitrator <laughs> to go Google it and watch it three times and go, yeah, that's four. Yeah, that's, that's four. only three for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should be the arbitrator because I can tell you right now what it's it should be. fifty pages of of nothing Lawyers. of six eight hundred bucks an hour. I know some wonderful lawyers, but the whole profession's up to no good. Not that that's breaking news to anyone. So, uh, but he's, and he was warned. Yeah. I mean, everybody told Jason, you're not, you're not, you're not, it's not coming oh, down to four you, games. I'm telling you, if I'm him, him, it's I'm not, like, I don't care then. Let, I'm we do not try, agree. I'm going to try to appeal this. You would, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. At least highlight the process if you're going to. It is such a, it's such a waste of time and it's so it flawed. Is. So, Kipper, before we go to break, I wrote an article today that I want to ask you a couple questions about. Do you, have, do you care to hear some numbers? No, not really. Oh, well, you're going to have to anyway. We have three oh, okay. minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> um, there's a few stats I was surprised by, uh, and they're about Tavares and Nylander are in the top 15 in the NHL in a number of categories you wouldn't necessarily think so. So maybe you can explain this to me. Um, four check chances per game, or, or sorry, cycle chances per game. John Tavares and William Nylander are in the top 15 in the NHL. Yeah, I totally see that. You do see that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You don't think a Willie is a guy who, you know. No, Willie loves coming out of a corner and coming up the wall and cutting at the top of the circle. You watch how many times. And I've said this, uh, the Leafs, for me, from start, you know, take away those maybe four games, five games, they are the best four-check team in the league. And they are the best dump and chase team in the league to get back mm-hmm. pucks. And they have purpose when they put the puck in. And they've got the speed to go get the puck. So that makes sense to you? Totally. How about this one? So slot shots per game. Got just shots from the slot. First in the NHL is Austin Matthews. You're not surprised to hear that, I'm sure. Uh, William Nylander is third in the NHL. And John Tavares is 13th in the NHL in getting shots from the slot. And when you make it smaller, the area right in front, the inner Tavares slot, goes up. Yes, he does. Yes. He's second in the NHL. Absolutely. Yeah. He's second in the NHL. Yeah, there's, there's, Two, Zach Hyman. Yeah. There's, there's, Zach Hyman. <laughs> there, 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 there is a window around the net that John Tavares Lives in. owns. Just owns. And the ability to redirect pucks, uh, uh, you know, uh, spin off a, div, uh, a D-man and just a slight little push to the left or right, mm-hmm. a quick opening, a bang-bang play. Uh, Tavares and, and Nylander have been very good at that. And what's interesting, so Matthews is first in slot shots, as in the whole slot, and yeah. he's not even in the top 15 in, in inner slot yeah. shots. So those are all coming from shooting distance. Yeah. You know, unlike the way that those two are going about it. I was surprised that Willie, he's 15th, he, you know, that he yeah. cracks that list at all. Um, I, again, I, I've, I've said this, between Tavares and, and Matthews, not typical centerman you know that we've been accustomed mm-hmm. to as a number one playmaking type of guy these guys are scores they, they they finish plays yeah and to your point that you made before about four check chances um number one in the nhl also matthews first yeah. in the league so those yeah. guys are get in the get under sticks yeah, and they they're, they're, off you know as long as the 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 heavy guys play heavy yeah they're pretty much covered up top i think that the the focus has to be that blue line that we had that 
earlier conversation with with Luke, but they're 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 good up top. Yeah. They're fine. And I told you what's you you heard my saying before the show. I love it. It's right? it. Crushers that think they're rushers end up ushers. <laughs> know your role. So Nick Ritchie, did I miss that? Where did I hear? <laughs> yeah, you weren't there. Nick Ritchie, Wayne Simmons, you know those type of guys. Just know your role. Know your roles. Play heavy, and let the rest of the team do what they do. The holy Bill did Belichick you get that? once said, Sammy? "Do your job." Yeah, I was just looking at. I was just you guys talking about trading for defensemen had me looking at UFA defensemen and out of teams that are going to trade their guys, you know. I don't think there's a ton of names that are jumping out to you in terms of what they're going to give you. We'll put a list need. together. There's the Sammy list, and then there's the real Kipper and JB list. We should have a list, a show list. Don't worry. A little, our, our trade, the real Kipper and Bourne trade targets for the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs. I like that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. We got Katie coming up. She's going to explain all of this Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, by the time we come off break, maybe we can pass a hat around, you know, collect something for the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> what do you think, Sammy? You want to start the hat? Uh, they would accept it. That's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pass it around for Derek then. <laughs> All right, Derek. You can pass. Uh, you can, you can, we'll wave you on the first round. That and so much more. Also, uh, Marty St. Louis, we're going to catch up with the, uh, the Hall of Famer. Maybe talk a little bit of Tampa Bay as well. So plenty still left on the bone. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. The code word for today's episode to text 590-590 for your chance to qualify for lease blues tickets on December 23rd is Captain. The Athletics, Katie Strang, reported on Wednesday that the city of Glendale was owed about $250,000 in unpaid city taxes. And apparently it worked, her her reporting, because the Coyotes put out this statement uh, that they've already launched an investigation to determine how this could have happened. <laughs> and initial indications are that it appears to be, drumroll please, Human air. No, Human air, everybody. Drum roll. Wow. We got to the bottom of it. It was not their Commodore 64. It was an actual person who could not figure out that bills need to be paid. They deeply regret the inconvenience that this has caused. And we'll make sure by tomorrow morning that they are current on all their bills. Well, that's terrific, you know? Good timing. You know, don't you get, maybe they should put reminders on their phone. Use the calendar. Just use the calendar. calendar. Oh, there's a bill coming up. And the local taxes and the state taxes, whatever the case is. Can you imagine the accounting department right now? Like, could you even leave your house Oh, Katie, do you know what you did to this organization? I, I don't think anybody could leave their house. This is beyond embarrassing. How are you? And, and congratulations on a terrific job on the story. I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. How are you? We're good. We're good. Um, it's amazing what uh, what you can accomplish. Uh, there's, I, I'm sure there's a, a few other vendors would like you to keep writing so they can get paid, too. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the thing here is that this is not an isolated case, right? right? This is a pattern, a larger pattern of behavior that we have seen with this ownership regime um, dating back truly to, you know, when they took control of the organization. So, like... I'm sort of reading the tea leaves from your your intro. I am similarly skeptical of this idea of human error or trying to chalk this up as to some, you know, sort of clerical or administrative oversight. Um, This is the feature, not the bug. 
Yeah, this seems to be the organization that you've written about it before just seems to kind of be a mess from top to bottom. Could you give us just a state of the organization? Like, what is the plan here? Uh, The lease is up at the end of this year, and it seems like they want to get a new building, but that won't be ready by next year. Do I have that right? You do. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I reported back in the summer that, you know, because of some long simmering issues similar to this, basically unpaid bills in eroding relationship with the city of Glendale, the city basically said, hey, we're opting out of this joint lease agreement. So you're on your own after this season, find a place to play, but it, it's not going to be here. So, I mean, if you if you sort of like, you know, peel the lens back and, and take this story, not in isolation, but in, in the broader context, like this is an organization that, you know, beyond losing a lot right now, which is to be expected. I mean, they're going through a rebuild, but, you know, it never makes things easy. But beyond that, which causes, you know, internal and external stress, they don't have a place to play next year. And they have to give the NHL dates, like within the next three or four weeks, I'm pretty sure. So they're trying to figure that out. And now it, it, it surfaces that they have a very large tax bill that is significantly delinquent. I mean, again, going back to rebut this notion that this is like, you know, one or two errant payments that were missed. It's not. I mean, this tax bill, which I've seen, dates back to June of 2020. So I think there are some much larger, much more sort of uh, endemic issues existential issues even facing this team and this organization right now. We're joined by Katie Strang, senior writer of The Athletic. She's been all over the uh, Arizona Coyotes financial issues that have come to light uh, in in the last uh, day or so. Uh, Katie, are you down at the Board of Governors meetings right now? I am not. I wish I was, to be (laughs) honest, because I'm very curious to see how Gary Bettman addresses this situation, quite frankly. Is there any sense that he will um, constantly when it comes to the Coyote situation the last 15 years or so, it's been downplayed by Gary and the National Hockey League head office? Do you anticipate more of the same? I do, but I think it's becoming a bit more tenuous for him to do so because... You know, you you can sort of minimize and obfuscate and try to deflect attention away for only so long. And, you know, I think it's becoming abundantly and increasingly clear that there needs to be some level of league intervention here. Um, You know, I think if you you view, like I do, um, teams as civic assets nowadays, which I think they are, Um, You know, there are certain, you know, standards, protocols, procedures, you know, accepted rules of behavior that are incumbent upon you to fulfill as a steward of a civic asset like this and as a steward of a team that operates, you know, amongst the greater NHL community at large. And I think the Coyotes right now are failing to do so. So I, I do think Gary Bettman's going to have to answer to that. I think he will likely have to intervene in some way, shape, or form. He might say all is, you know, well and fine and, and that they've settled their outstanding debt. Um, but this is going to continue to crop up. And, and I think what gives me confidence in saying that is, I'm a big believer in, like, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And time and time again, this is what this ownership regime has shown. And until I see otherwise, I'm going to assume that's what we'll continue to see. Yeah, even the answer is wild that it was a human error because I can't help but feel like, you know, 250 grand is what the Leafs spend on, like, pineapple muesli and, and for breakfast, but they just don't want to pay these bills. So <laughs> clearly there's some issue there beyond the actual money. So do you think there's a real chance – like a real chance that at some point this team plays out of Houston, like they, they would actually move a franchise. Cause it feels like we're headed that way at some point, but maybe that's me just uh, rushing to judgment on them. I don't think that's 
outlandish to surmise at this point. I mean, again, not to beat a dead horse here, but like they don't have a place to play next year. So I think all options, you know, turnkey options uh, of places to play that have available rinks have to kind of be on the table. Um, I, I will say this, you know, while that might happen, I do think it's possible for this team to thrive in the desert. And I know it's really easy just because of, you know, decades plus of um, turnover and instability and turmoil that we've seen um, with the Coyotes. It's easy to, like, sort of say, you know, get them out of here, like mm-hmm. put them on wheels and move them elsewhere. I think that's – and I do think, actually, there have been times where – Gary Bettman has been appropriately criticized for being too sort of steadfast um, in doubling down on having this team there. But I will say, I think this team could thrive in Arizona with strong, stable ownership and with a long-term plan um, for a rank and some continuity and some confidence that there's a commitment to keeping the team there. I think the problem is, We've never seen that combination of things, of conditions in that market. And that is required for the market to thrive. But there are other factors that really make me confident that the market could thrive under those conditions. They have a super robust um, youth hockey base. I think they have, like, the fastest growing um, like youth hockey, girls' youth hockey presence in the country right now, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. They have a very zealous, passionate fan base. I mean, you have to be to be able to, you know, continue coming back to this team that has, you know, disappointed you over years and years and decades plus and, you know, ownership regimes every, you know, few years, it feels like. Uh, So uh, I do think they can survive if given the opportunity. I just don't know whether they're ever going to have the fundamental elements that are required. Alex Marello, uh, I think, uh, is, if I pronounce that correctly, is the owner of Arizona. Katie, have you ever had a sense that this is just his business practice, that he does not pay retail and he'll always be that guy who negotiates down a price? Or is this cash-strapped guy right now who just does is cash poor? And listen, we, we, we know what what the pandemic's done to a lot of ownership groups here, not just maybe Arizona, but many. But is there a sense that if they just had that owner with deep pockets that just paid normal market value like the rest of us in this world, this wouldn't be an issue? So I think you're asking the right question, which is, are they unable to pay their bills Mm -hmm. or are they unwilling? Um, And, You know, I'm not a forensic accountant. I'm not privy, you know, to all the elements of inside their books or whatever. But, you know, I would say if we're going to let's let's assume that they paid their bills today, as they say they did without any NHL subsidies. Okay, and that is an assumption like I I don't want to necessarily like make that assumption and take that as written. But. You know, if they're able to come up with that sort of cash like that quickly after there's public scrutiny, that would lead me to believe that, you know, maybe there is, you know, some cash flow difficulty. You have to move some things around, get creative, but the money is there. But, you know, I think there is a deeper concern about whether we're seeing a pattern of behavior in a operating business practice of routinely and consistently um, eschewing bills and invoices and either not paying them entirely or pressuring whether it be vendors or independent contractors to take a drastically reduced portion of the amount owed under threat of either litigation or not getting paid at all. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote a big piece about the Coyotes back in February that was based on months and months of reporting you know, much of which was based on my interaction and reporting with vendors and independent contractors. And that suggests that that very much is this ownership's calling card. Um, They see contracts as suggestions. 
they see, you know, every invoice owed, it seems, as an opportunity to negotiate or pressure someone to take less than what they're contractually owed. Yeah, that does seem like a bit of an issue there and a long-term one. So I'm trying to piece together. I agree with you that 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 organization could thrive there. I lived there for a little bit and saw that there is a hockey culture and a growing one. I'm just trying to figure out, like, in the best-case scenario for this organization, in, in the transition to a functional, thriving Coyotes, you know, if Glendale opts out of this lease, you know, they can't just go to Houston. I don't, I'm not aware of any other facilities nearby that they can play at. What do you expect is going to happen with the Coyotes? Will they try to get something built even in the best-case scenario? Where would they play? Is there a mall there? <laughs> like, honestly. I, I, I honestly, no, that's a good question. And, like, when I when I reported this summer about, you know, the ending of the joint lease agreement, which is going to essentially evict them after the season, you know, the natural follow-up story is like, where, what are the viable options to play? And the reality is there aren't many. I mean, in terms of like, what will be NHL ready and suitable, you have to, you know, also consider the fact that like NHL players are, are, are not going to just play in some like no. rinky-dink amateur art operation, nor should they have to. Um, the facilities have to meet a certain standard and threshold of professionalism. Um, you know, there were some sort of more like antiquated options that were thrown out and bandied about as potential landing spots. But even those, to my understanding, um, would require such a such a significant investment in like capital for like overhaul and refurbishment that even those were prohibitive. Um, you know, it, it's been widely reported that the Coyotes are eyeing this spot of city-owned land in Tempe, um, that they have proposed a, I believe it's a $1.7 billion development deal that would include an arena, restaurants, hotels, shopping district, like a, a district, right? Like a legitimate district mm-hmm. and, um, you know, would would do so reportedly with private financing, but, you know, take some of some money for infrastructure from, like, sales tax raised through sales and such. Um, if I'm the city of Tempe, though, you know, which which are currently evaluating these requests for proposals, um, I am taking a really hard look at, like, the past two years, and I'm probably calling the city of Glendale to ask what their experience has been like dealing with this Coyotes ownership regime and their willingness to like pay bills on time. And I'm probably really factoring that into my decision of whether or not to grant them kind of the next step in the process. That'll be a tough one. Yeah, for sure. Really appreciate your time, Katie. Yeah. Thanks so much, Katie. Of course. Have a good one, guys. You too. Katie Strang. Man, writer, bleak, eh? Athletic. Um, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's a mess, and you know it's got to be really embarrassing for Gary Bettman, who's constantly, you know, been preaching over the years that the league is very healthy. And uh, Forbes came out with their list what a day ago about uh, top franchises and what they're worth now, and collectively they're up what thirty uh, percent from yeah. last year. But we know in, in in a pandemic with no no. No crowds, basically. That's been a challenge for all of them the last little while. But this has been a thorn in Gary's side for how many years now? What's going on was, here? Was it you guys? I mean, we talk about hockey so much. Was it one of you guys that said they should build a statue in uh, Glendale of Gary Bettman no. because of his commitment to hockey in Arizona? Yeah. Like, it's just, is he that? I don't, well, know. You're, I don't know if it's the right question. Is he that stubborn? Yeah. Like, yes, well, the answer is yes. Well, West, Rick West had had some tweets today about, you know, Bettman and, and his whole thoughts that, you know, people are telling us. My saying, line mate, Rick West. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't sure yeah. if we could bring that yeah, up or not. Yeah, your yeah, rec yeah. hockey line yeah, mate, Rick West. Yeah, I play hockey with West. Um, you know, that, like, there's no evidence, no reason to believe that they should continue to stay dug in here. They should move on for the franchise values of all of them, for the league, for the benefit of the players. Yeah, but guess, uh, guess what? He's just when, digging when, in on when, a when spite. You've been, when you've been evicted and you're Houston or somewhere else, like... We don't want you either? No, it's, 
uh, I, I get to name the price here. You're you're on your ass. You're out on the curb. Yeah, it's, it's true. like you're not you're not moving from strength. You're not negotiating from strength. You can take that Forbes list and just throw it out the window. Well, when right do they now have strength, Kipper? That's an awesome point, though. But when uh, do you have strength? There, there's there's no him. alternative. Then you have to still sell. Yeah, I I, I get that, but you. Now, if you're Houston, and I don't, I don't believe, uh, I don't believe for one second Houston's sitting there going, "We want you really bad." I. What, what, the, the, who's your best player again? What about folding them? You know, they came so close to folding. About, I don't know. I want to say I was a board of governor meetings, but it it flew by everybody. Nobody got the sniff, but they were talking about coyotes folding, well, it, folding it, the coyotes. Well, I, you know, selling them for two fifty to Houston better than that's folding? how clo- that's how close it once was in in what uh, like eight or nine years ago. So wow, I mean, really? I, I yes. We, wow. I remember when we were talking about moving them to Toronto or to Markham or whatever, and I I looked it up. It's within I think it's seventy five kilometers is the closest that it can be, or like the seventy five miles. Yeah, don't, don't don't buy into that. It, it's a load of crap. It's whatever they decide. It's whatever. Move them to Kitchener, Gary, or Waterloo, or and, London, and the or other top. Listen, if if Toronto green lighted it and 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 Gary didn't put up a huge argument on why it wasn't any good, it would happen like tomorrow. But Leafs don't want it. Gary doesn't want it. He wants new markets, fresh money coming in. He doesn't want portions of the Leaf money going to a new franchise here. It will never happen under under Gary and 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 what Bell and Rogers have with MLSE right now. Well, it's not happening. This is a real pie in the sky. I'm getting real pie in the sky here with you guys. But, like, if it was a different commissioner, is there a w- way that, you know, there's yes. a different philosophy where it's just like, you know what, let's move it to places where people like hockey, you know, where it's <laughs> like we don't have to grow the game or we know it's going to be solid. Like, is there any way the league is in a worse spot if there's teams that are in Markham or in Quebec City? Like, is there not more money coming in or is it just that it's not – New money. I, I don't understand the mindset. Can you guys explain it to me? I, I'm with you. I, I do believe, even though that it would cost a, a, a percentage of maybe Leaf money to go to Markham, mm-hmm. that there is upside. For sure. Well, and no, it's just I, it's an I, I, underserved I, yeah, hockey market. Fans can't go you. to games. If you're a fan of the Leafs, you cannot get to a hockey game without spending 400 bucks on a pair I mean, of tickets. I mean, $400. Not to be Mr. Junior Hockey Guy or Mr. AHL Guy. You can go to the Marley's game for pretty cheap. You can go to a Mississauga Steelhead. They'll pay you to go there. Yeah, like, okay, there's, there's lots of hockey around. Then you're at an AHL game. For sure. But no, I'm just <laughs> so? saying, like, there is hockey. But no, NHL-level hockey, you know, it's it's under... I don't know. I just feel like they're in a better place if they're in Kitchener-Waterloo than they are in somewhere fans. else. Like, yeah. When you think about when the Leafs or uh, uh, when the... When the New York situation happened and then New Jersey got across over the river... And there was a tremendous weak, like, weakness in the league back then. It's not quite there now. Yeah. Meaning that if it was 2021 today and there was no New Jersey Devils and they applied for a team, yeah, not a hope in hell that Gary would, would go there. No kidding. Yeah. So- or, or the Islanders with the Rangers. That, that would never happen again. Doesn't that I, seem under, dumb under to you? Gary's yes. watch. It seems this all seems dumb. Like the, it creates great rivalries, competitiveness. There's an energy. It keeps the interest more widespread to me. I, I gotta say, the most frustrating thing. I've, I think we talked about this before, but like moving it to Houston would piss me off. Like straight up, piss me off. You want Quebec City? Well, I just want somewhere they they like hockey. Like they can barely fill a barn for NBA there. Like. They're gonna like hockey in Houston, and, and nor they love and, hockey. And, and that oh, Canada, yeah. and, and that Houston uh, basketball guy, I don't think he has tremendous interest in the National Hockey no, League. No, just there's a beautiful building well, in Quebec Cuban City, ready and waiting. Oh, I'd love Mark Cuban as an NHL owner. Let's go. I am worried though a little bit moving forward that there might be some more teams here that might be cash-strapped in the next little while because... Kipper, we talked about this the, league. They're, they're weak. Fold the, a couple. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the escrow's going to go down, and it's artificial, boys. Yeah. It means that, that the owners are going to have to buck up in the next few years because the revenue will not be enough to make up for their escrow going down, which means ultimately there's a lot of debt and the players are going to pick up that debt. But if the revenues don't grow here, guys, 
don't be surprised if you hear more teams that, uh, you know, are scratching and crawling to pay the visa listen, bill. Listen, the, sorry, the, I was just going to say Coyotes suck, so there's nobody in the building. But I look at those Florida Panthers games. Cats have one of the best teams in the league, and there's barely anybody going. It's just not well, right. I, I am. Offends one, I do wonder, though, about attendance and if it'll bounce back. You know, there are such but great ways to watch the game. There. It's no, never but, been good. I know, but it's not good anywhere right yeah. now. The Leafs are selling out. No, you're right. That's fair. And Florida's so lucky. They got great ownership, deep pockets. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 a non-issue other than you getting pissed off yeah. watching at the empty seats. Nobody hears anything else about issues in Florida. Anybody but that ownership group, and it's a different story. You know what killed me from the Forbes story on the value of the Coyotes is it said like value per customer or like the the money they make per customer was five bucks, five dollars. <laughs> like you that's know, insane. The. the it is insane. I told you when I lived there that if you bought a case of Diet Coke at my gas station, you get a couple of tickets. Like, oh, my it's, God. It was badly devalued. Wow. You know? I don't know how you build that but, back up. I bet you the Leafs, every every customer who goes to a Leafs game, you're out 100 bucks before you turn around. Oh, yeah. I mean, tickets, ticket price aside. Yeah, you can't get a sandwich and a beer without <laughs> yeah, spending 100 bucks. So, but, the thing know, that... We are seeing some con- concerns, though, uh, from MLSE too on on tickets well, too as well a little bit so prices every, gotta come down. everybody's been affected yeah. everybody and including I, the big boys the one that really scared me from a perspective of you know attendance is that first Buffalo Toronto game where it's like in that's Buffalo. in Buffalo that's like the most heavily attended by both sides it's a huge game and there was a ton of empty seats it's terrible it should just never be that way but anyways we could go around and circle about this Gary but. Bettman has his work cut out for him the next few years no Every, doubt. you know I mean I know he's in the Hall of Fame and you know he's been around for 25 30 years now but his legacy may still be undetermined to come out of this pandemic because mm-hmm. the players need him in that office to generate revenue and I'm not talking about the tap in putts with the TV deal yeah I'm talking about everything else so that, I'm sure, is being discussed uh, you behind know what, closed doors. You know what I BOG hear right meetings. now, Kipper, is I hear a commissioner going, uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, uh, can come on over here and have a chat with us. Uh, you know, gam- all gambling sites, cool bet, let's have a phone call. You know, like, I, I hear gambling as a bailout in the short term for the league. Well, let's, uh, how quickly can the money come? I don't know, show me where to place my bets. We'll see. All right, we're going to take another break here. Frank Cervelli, he is down at the BOG meetings. And we'll get all the good scoops coming out of Florida. After the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.